Hear now this reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 23 through 24. Listen now for a word from our Lord. So when, we are, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother and sister, and then come and offer your gift. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Everyone, it seems these days, has stories to tell about really angry people. I can tell you about the time I was at a donut shop and watched a man become completely unglued pounding on the counter and screaming at the bewildered clerk until the police had to be called. Or I have a friend who can tell you about the time that she accidentally cut off somebody in traffic and they tailgated her to a store parking lot and blocked her in and then got out of their car and spit on her windshield before getting back in their car and driving off in a huff. Our son, Andy, can tell you about the time when he was a teenager working at Starbucks that he saw a grown man throw a handful of change into the face of one of his coworkers because she made him the wrong drink. Afterward, the manager took Andy and his coworker aside, and he said, I'm so sorry. What can I tell you? There are just a lot of angry people in this world. Well, friends, that's true. There are a lot of angry people in this world, and if you're like me, maybe you're feeling that there's been an uptick in the number of angry people in this world. So much so that I think it's tempting for us to just resign ourselves to anger and conflict and toxicity, to think to ourselves, that's just how people are, that's just how life is, what are you going to do? We've just got to accept it, just got to live with it. One of the saddest things I've witnessed in the last couple of years in ministry was the disintegration of a decades-long friendship between two men in my church over politics. These two men had been such important people in one another's lives. They raised their kids together, they were in Sunday school together, vacation together, played golf together, were in Bible studies together, and then they had this disagreement about presidential candidates, and they turned on one another, and they said terrible things, and then they stopped speaking to each other. These two guys who had enjoyed this long, long friendship were reduced to glaring at one another in church and saying ugly things behind each other's back and very performatively and conspicuously sitting on opposite sides of the sanctuary on Sunday morning. This went on for a very long time, and in fact, the last time I saw them, they were still at it, nurturing their mutual disdain giving one another the death ray across the sanctuary on Sunday morning. It sort of sucked all the air out of the room, but it was as if being angry like that had just become a way of life for them. But my friends, 
Anger like that cannot become a way of life for us. It can't, not only because it's incredibly unhealthy, and I don't think there's anyone here this morning that would argue that point with me, and not just because deep down, I don't think any of us wants to live in a world that operates that way, nor do we want to leave as our legacy to our children and grandchildren that kind of toxic, angry culture for them to exist in. But friends, most of all, you see, as Christian people, as followers of the Prince of Peace, we're called to do better, and we're capable of it. Jesus calls us to help change this angry world, to help build his peaceable kingdom. We are called to be peacemakers. Do you remember that in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. We are called to join with Christ in building God's peaceable kingdom, the place where the lion will lie down with the lamb. So, where do we start with that work? As we stand and look out at this very angry landscape, where do we begin? Well, Jesus says, we start right here. We start right here in the church. We start right here at Terrytown United Methodist Church. That is where we plant the flag of peace. Jesus says, so when you are offering your gift at the altar, if you remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come and offer your gift. Friends, I know that the sheer volume of anger in this world can feel overwhelming, but we are not impotent. Christ is with us. He calls us to this peacemaking work right here at the altar in the midst of the worshiping community. And if we can work together, to build peace in our midst, well then that peace can spread to the entire world. It's like the old hymn says, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with who? With who? With me. Let it begin with me. Now, friends, I have to tell you, that this is very, very difficult work. But God knows we're capable of it because we're capable of such deep memory. Remember, when you come into church, that we share a common history together. If at the altar you remember, says Jesus, the church is this place of rich memory upon which we can plant our feet. Together, we, we come into this place and we remember the great stories of the faith. You know them. Noah and the ark and David and Goliath and the faithfulness of Ruth. And the stories of Jesus, his, his birth, his baptism, his ministry. The way he turned water into wine and raised Lazarus from the dead. How he included the outsider and lifted up the lowly and healed the sick and forgave sins. And then we remember how he went to the cross and he died and we remember the empty tomb. 
and the angels. Remember the angels in there? And the women running to share the good news and the gradual realization that he lives and the hope and the promise that comes with remembering that great truth. And we remember as well at the altar sacred moments in our own lives, do we not? And again, we can plant our feet in those memories, the goodness of baptisms shared among us, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors, our friends. And we remember, too, the sacred moment of confirmation among young people standing before the congregation to claim their faith in Christ for themselves and to become full members of the church on their own. And, of course, we remember weddings here, beautiful moments of covenant, two becoming one. And we remember funerals and memorial services, too, here, do we not? grieving and celebrating as we remember the lives of those who have lived among us with such great love and have gone on to live eternally with God. Those are powerful memories, sacred memories at the altar. And friends, I'll confess to you that the older I get, the more emotional I become about church. And the more powerful those memories become for me. There have been many times in the year I've been with you that I've been singing one of those old hymns, you know, I've had the book in my hand, and tears have come up in my eyes because as I sing that song, I'm remembering those who used to sing with me and are not here anymore to do that. I can almost hear their voices. They're alive for me here in church in a way they aren't sometimes in other places. Memories are so rich. Sometimes it is as if I can see their hand holding the book with mine. Do you know what I mean? But truth be told, the altar is also a place that we remember our brokenness. Church can be a place that we remember things that make us sad, that make us grieve. Church can be a place where we remember that we're angry at someone or they're angry with us or that we are out of relationship with a brother or sister. And friends, I don't know why the altar works like that too, but it does. Perhaps it's just because when we're here at the altar, we're not pretending anything or performing or trying to be something that we're not, and we're not defensive. We're just here before God, and we're open and perhaps more vulnerable than we would usually be. And in that time, God then whispers to us in that open state, reminding us of these wounds that need to be tended, these relationships that need to be mended. God whispers to us in those moments that, we really can't separate love of God from love of neighbor. That loving God fully means fully loving who God loves. And then we can't be fully reconciled to God if we're not reconciled with our brother or our sister. Being angry at the altar, friends, can prevent us from being fully engaged in worship. 
And for that reason, I think Jesus is so wise when he says, if you feel that anger, leave your gift at the altar. Go and make peace. Reconcile with your brother or your sister. And then come back and worship. Because we really need to fully worship. God wants that for us. And of course, God also wants us to know peace and to build peace. So Jesus says, if at the altar you remember, well then, it's time to deal with it, if we do. Now friends, a few words of caution here. Nowhere in Holy Scripture does Jesus say that being angry is sinful Being angry, getting mad is just human. It's an emotion that just bubbles up within us and we can't keep ourselves from experiencing that emotion. It just happens. And in fact, it was natural even for Christ. We know that from Holy Scripture. He got mad too, especially when he observed injustice or cruelty or hypocrisy. That really set him off inside. So friends, Keep in mind that anger itself is not a sinful thing. What God cares about is how we deal with it. That's the key. How do we process our anger? How do we handle it in Christian community? Second, please remember as well, friends, that we cannot force anyone to reconcile with us, even if we want it very badly, even if it would give us peace. We have to be content with offering the olive branch, And if it is accepted, great. But if it is rebuffed by someone, we must respect that boundary and know that we have pleased God by trying to do what's right, being faithful, and then in God's eyes, that is enough. And finally, friends, there are relationships that should not be resurrected. If a relationship has involved violence or abuse, or harm, or terrible toxicity to you, Jesus does not ask you to be a perpetual spiritual doormat for anyone. Jesus doesn't ask you to be unsafe, to put yourself in harm's way, to go back for another round of pummeling from a bully. Boundaries are sacred things and healthy things that I know God respects and encourages. In our text, what Jesus is talking about, friends, is in what I would call ordinary circumstances that are healthy, reaching out to reconcile with a brother or a sister in Christ. Jesus urges us to do that and to do it quickly. If at the altar you remember, leave your gift and get to it before you come back to worship. Please, please, friends, don't put it off. Don't put it off till tomorrow or next week or next month or next year or never. Don't do it. Because anger that is untended to can foment and become very toxic and it can grow terribly deep roots in our spirit. There is a reason that the Apostle Paul said, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That is not just great marital advice. That's great advice, period. Deal with it. Don't put it off. 
the longer it festers, the more harm that can happen. Along these lines, um, I heard a story once about a woman who was probably in her mid-60s when she met with her pastor to share a story with him. She said that in her family growing up, there were six children, and the best time of every day was supper time. They would come around the table, and they would pray, and they would eat together and laugh and share stories. It was wonderful. And then she said when she was about six or seven years old, one evening just before supper, the kids could hear their parents in an argument, and it was unlike anything they had ever heard. Their parents' voices were full of rage, and they said really mean things to each other. The kids were so scared that they ran into the kitchen, and as soon as they came in, the parents fell silent, but the kids saw how red their faces were because they had been screaming at each other. Well, the woman said her mother turned and stirred in a few pots. And then she said, let's eat. And that's all that was said that night. And that was all that was said the next night, too. And for many weeks, no one really spoke at dinner. Eventually, she said, her parents began to speak to one another. They were civil. But her family was never the same. It was never the same. Because, she said, they did not deal with it. They did not deal with it. Friends, if you are sitting here this morning and you have anger or hurt on your heart, if you are out of a relationship with a brother or sister in Christ, I pray that you will deal with it. That you will answer that altar call from God and extend a hand of reconciliation and forgiveness. Perhaps the person you need to talk to is sitting next to you in the pew this morning. Or perhaps when the service ends, you need to get up and walk across the room and extend a hand. Or perhaps this afternoon is the time to finally send that email or text or make that phone call or even write that letter to try to make things right. Whatever it takes, friends, whatever it takes, I pray that you will answer that altar call and do your very best to reconcile with your brother or your sister in Christ, knowing that as you do so, you build peace in your own life, but beyond that, you are acting as a peacemaker in our world. Will you pray with me? Most holy God, we give you thanks, for you are such a God of grace and you never fail to forgive us as we ask. Lord, we ask now that you forgive us for the anger that we have carried. And Lord, we ask that you give us the courage to reach out and reconcile with our brother or sister so that we may please you and be your peacemakers in this world. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.